0: In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 hello. And welcome to another live stream episode of In the Trenches. Uh, My name is Ryan Roxy. I am your host today. I'm your host every Tuesday. You know this by now, but if you don't and you're just joining us, well, guess what, folks? You know what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to subscribe right on that button right there. Oh, I get that finger wrong. You'd think by now I'd know which way to point, Vic. But uh, there it is. Vic, our producer, is putting the subscribe button on our YouTube official channel, which is Ryan Roxy Official at the YouTube. And we're also on Facebook Live. As well, we're on uh, audio with uh, Apple and Spotify and all your favorite audio podcasts. But you know what? Again, like I say, this is one of those days where you want to tune in live because you want to be in the chat you want to uh, be engaged, I guess, all right? And uh, yes, we are off and running, June. This is our episode, 7059. And um, well, take that down, Rick. I got to give the man a hype up a little bit. Come on. All right. So this is one of those days. I'm going to introduce my guest right now because it's a pleasure to have someone that has years, years more experience at uh, doing the research and interviewing these iconic names that we try to bring on with uh, in the trenches. I think we do a pretty good job, but the man that we're having on today, he's been doing it for years longer and he does it at the next level. You know, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. And, and I, I was able to uh, sort of track him down. And he was gracious enough to say yes to be on In the Trenches. Um, he has his own YouTube channel, which we're going to talk about. It has over 200,000 followers and uh, hundreds of uploaded videos. Um, it's going to be nice to uh, ask some questions and take some time asking questions to the man that is usually asking all the questions. Uh, would you please welcome In the Trenches, Mr. Adam Reeder, the professor of rock. Hello, Adam. Hey, how's it going? What's going on, man? I, I think immediately people are going to recognize your face and go, that's the YouTube guy. That's the professor of rock, right? <laughs> Do you, have you gotten recognized in uh, regular life?
1: I have, yeah, yeah. I uh, The weirdest thing is when uh, I told you I moved to this small town about six months ago, and I was in a bowling alley here in this little town uh, bowling with my kids, and this guy walked up to me, he's like, Professor Rock and I wasn't wearing my hat. I was wearing a baseball hat, right. uh, and uh, and he's like, "I watch your show all the time." And he lives in some town like twenty miles from here. But I just thought, whoa, that's that's crazy. Well, you know. the thing is,
0: you do have that signature uh, hat that you are that you are always wearing, but you also have a signature, well, it used to be, it's not. you're not wearing it today, but a, like a sort of a bowling shirt. And uh, I, I wouldn't find that too surprising if you were in a bowling alley and someone you had a bowling shirt on, maybe that would get <laughs> lost in the mix. But you know, this look, as you can see from the logo that is on yours, is that part of your swag that you have um, that you, on the shirt that yeah. you're wearing yeah. right now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. It looks a tiny bit like the uh, Are We Not Men, We Are Devo uh, album cover. Did you ever (laughs) think about that? that? I've heard that a few times. (laughs) Do you you know who that that picture on that album cover of the B-52s is? I found this out this morning while I was uh, just randomly scrolling through Instagram. Do you know who that is?
1: You know, I don't. I know the picture you're talking about because I've got the album. I remember my my aunt had it when I was a little kid, and I was like, "What the heck is this?" You know,
0: <laughs> that is a picture of Chi Rodriguez, the golfer. And apparently, they sold oh. that. They sold it was like a, either a tee, a golf tee set, or um, some some sort of golf accessory. And it was that exact picture. They morphed it just a little bit on that album cover, but I, I uh, like to tell the story of that album cover because that's the, one of the few library albums that I never returned. When you, like, well, when you were growing up, did you ever uh, used to rent or, or, check out records from the library?
1: We didn't have records at our library. Um, unfortunately. Well, so I had to, I had to save up the allowance and, and go buy it. Well, we're going
0: to talk a little about where you grew up and in this segment of where we start the show. um, It's called Let's Go Back to Get Forward. And do we have some animation for that, Vic? Or we still don't have any animation? Nope. Okay. Don't worry, folks. Your comments are going to be... Your comments today in the chat are our animation. And uh, first off, for Let's Go Back to Get Forward, you're talking about libraries and they didn't have checkout... um, check out vinyl, but was that back in Blackfoot, Idaho. Was that where yes, it all began? Yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> yep.
1: Blackfoot, Idaho. Uh, I actually grew up in a small town called, uh, Snake River. Well, Moreland, Idaho, which, uh, population three twenty three. I don't know. I, I'm just kidding. I don't that know. It sounds how very
0: evil Knievel. What was it? Snake River?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Moreland, the Snake River. Yeah. The Snake River, you know, is, is, is near there. And uh, yeah, I, I love growing up in this small town uh, in the 80s. It was just uh, the greatest childhood anybody could ever have. Yeah, truly.
0: Well, the yeah. thing the thing was, you've kind of maintained that geographical area, because when we spoke right before, you're in the Utah area now. And when I was going to do some research on, uh, on the podcast, we were talking, uh, there was a few Utah papers that had uh, giving you some really cool, uh, interviews and stuff like that. So I, I kind of, uh, you know, said, okay, he's in that area. Have you ever been living on either the East coast or the West coast or where did all that musical sort of inspiration, did it come into, into, uh, Utah and Idaho, or did you end up searching for it somewhere else?
1: Well, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for a couple of years. Um, I've lived in grand junction, Colorado, you know, um, uh, I used to travel uh, for my job that I had when I had a a, a real job, as they say. And so <laughs> what was your, I'm, with, I'm
0: curious, the real job, what was, what were you doing before that?
1: Before, so oh, before I became out, the professor, I've always been an entrepreneur, you know, and I, I started out in sales, um, VP of sales for different companies. And, uh, you know, I, I started out uh, in call center companies, if you can imagine. That. I used to open up call centers All right. uh, back in the day when they, they did that, um, you know. Were you so selling toner? Cool. Were
0: you selling toner? Or were you selling insurance? Were you selling? Oh, uh, man. They re- were selling a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Timeshares uh, in Cabo. Did you ever sell a timeshow <laughs> in Cabo? No
1: fortunately not no I'm just kidding yeah so I, I I mean I grew up you know in Idaho and since I can remember probably three years old uh, music has been this mysterious uh, uh, presence in my life that uh, I knew you know my, my dad was huge in the music um, you know not in a band or anything like that but uh, we didn't get along growing up I uh, didn't see eye to eye on anything, but baseball and music, especially music. And so that was kind of the way that we could connect with one another is through music. So he would tell me stories. You know, we'd be driving along in his uh, pickup truck, you know, very small town. My dad was a painting contractor. He passed away about a year, year and a half ago, Sorry unfortunately. About that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But uh, even even, you know, when I went to say goodbye to him, music was very much a, a part of that. But you know, we we used to drive around and we'd stop at the, at the at the store and get a get a pop and I'd grab a comic book and and uh, you know it was just a great experience to to drive around and he we'd be listening to the radio and he'd tell me stories about the songs. He would say, I remember the first time I heard Imagine by John Lennon. I had bought the album or the eight track and I was out in my car and I had to go into my job. I was uh, worked at the grocery store and I listened to the song and it, it changed my life. You know. And to hear those stories, it, it it gave me some kind of a connection with him. And then I started having my own stories and started, you know, getting these albums. And he, of course, had a ton of records. And he'd buy, I kind of had cool parents. You know, they, yeah. they would buy the record of the day. You know, I remember when they they brought home Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, or Michael Jackson, Thriller. And and then I wanted to have my own copy. And so it just, it was really cool. I mean, they, you know, I grew up with like Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand and the Bee Gees and... And, and all that kind of stuff, but well, I think uh, we talked a, about your
0: your connection with with Utah, and I was telling you that one of the first bands that I was ever into was the Osmond Brothers, and I saw that you've actually been able to uh, you've been able to interview Marie Osmond yeah. as well, and and I don't know, <laughs> wait a second, is that is is that is that some sort of Photoshop trick that that Vic just did, or what's that? I was an Osmond.
1: I was an Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah.
0: Apparently, uh, you, you and Bernie Sanders are taking over the uh, meme capital of the world of getting <laughs> getting into pictures. And folks, if you are listening to this on our audio broadcast, uh, go check out the Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel because uh, you're missing a lot of great photos that our producer, Vic, has either spent all night photoshopping or he has combed the internet for this. Though, right? <laughs> and one of those times when you, when you and your dad were driving around in the truck, um, obviously going to a, maybe a... a uh, was there a local vinyl store around? You know, Snake.
1: You know, there wasn't. Uh, it was. It was about going to. So here's what was cool. They had this little store that I could ride my my bike. You know, BMX bike. This was the 80s. Motocross. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I could ride my bike with my friends down. Uh, this was back in the day where you didn't worry about if you were going to get kidnapped and all that kind of thing in this small town. So we would. We were. I would ride my bike down to this store called B and J Market. And they had – it was such a cool place. They had little uh, – they had, like, comic books and Mad Magazine, and then they had all this candy, you know, penny candy, so you could go spend your money there. But they also had tapes, you know, cassette tapes, and they were under lock and key. And that in and of itself was like, this is a mystery. These things are behind lock and key. What, what are is these? <laughs> yeah. And so it was really cool to go and see. And they would they would have do you remember when they used to have cassette tapes and there would like be an indent in them and they were cheaper? Oh yeah. And I don't know if they were like off market and then you get them and you'd open it up and they wouldn't have the liner notes in them. They'd just be blank. And so I almost wonder if they were selling them in a, a store. So you'd think that Do you they think they like, were
0: promotional copies? Kind of like the way they had the 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 uh the uh sort of uh punctured hole in the vinyl albums or the or yeah. the slit in the punctured hole. They must have been some sort of promotional copies, you know?
1: I know. And I think how how would they get them and be able to sell them? But they were a little bit cheaper. They were like $5.99 as yeah. opposed to like $9.99. It was a
0: record bit it was the record business back then in the you know 80s. So I'm sure there's a lot of oh, payola yeah. and I'm sure if you look close enough <laughs> you'd find some sort of bindle or some sort of something illegal in those cassette tape
1: set. Yeah. Cassette tapes. I mean I remember buying the nineteen seventy five to nineteen eighty five by Bruce Springsteen Live, and, and I, I got tape three that I bought separate because there, th- there was a 3 tape set. right? And so I'm thinking, how are they able to sell these? But, <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, I just remember, and it's, it's kind of funny. What's cool is to be able to tell, like, Sammy Hagar and Ann Wilson Hart, like, I remember the day the Bad Animals came out, and I rode my bike down to the store, and I bought Bad Animals on cassette. And she's like, really? You know, and it's just cool. It's kind of a pinch-me moment because – it's like, if I could tell my 10 year old or 12 year old self, you know, Hey, someday you're going to be interviewed. I mean, just crazy. Cause that was my window to the world. Yeah, there it is. And, and
0: that was a great, that was a great interview uh, as well. I, I've looked at folks. I said, uh, do we have the actual YouTube channel, uh, is it, is it just youtube.com slash Professor of Rock? Because if we have that uh, link, please put it up in the chat, folks, or we can uh, put it across the screen because you guys got to check out a lot of Adam's um, content. It's just so many great interviews. And then, you know, it's basically the stories behind the songs. And I And I heard you say once before that you, you know... There's a lot of other people that can talk about the sex and the drugs, but you want to talk about the rock and roll. You want to talk about the song, right? And that's what you want to, and that's what you want to focus on. And you do so many, uh, well, there, there it is, Vic, our producer putting up just a small sampling. Don't go there now folks, because you are going to watch our podcast and you're going to subscribe if you is the first time you've been able to, uh, uh catch the show, but definitely after go check out the professor of rocks, uh, official channel, YouTube, and subscribe there as well. But, uh, brings me to the point with the cassettes because um Vic actually our producer had a question he put he actually helped me with the script this week thank you very much Vic I saw some content and uh, questions that you put in he says uh you know what's what's with the rack of cassette tapes that show up in many of your episodes and i can see there is some sort of fascination with the cassette because you seem to have like a Ten foot cassette behind you right now, and uh, yeah. in, what what is that rack of cassettes you have? Is that your own personal? So I got a
1: table, a cassette table, and I take it to uh, the interviews I do outside of the Zoom interviews. And we just wanted something that would tie all the interviews together because uh, for like five or six years I was in like guerrilla mode where I was I uh, wanted to get any interview I could because I was kind of saying this before we started the show. We're a little bit in a race against time. I mean, I hope that that everybody is immortal here. But as we've seen in, in years past, I mean, David Bowie and Prince and Eddie Van and then, Halen just recently. You know, I know Eddie Van Halen and 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 it just it it breaks your heart because when you're a kid, you look at these 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 uh, these demigods as as uh, as immortal, immortal. You know? Yeah, they exactly. That they can that they can you know, that they're not, they're not human. And so you don't think that they're going to, I mean, Eddie Van Halen, I think that we've all realized he's genius. I mean, if we didn't before musical genius and, you know, a thousand years from now, they're going to be looking at him, uh, maybe hundreds of years from now, like they look at uh, Beethoven, I mean, genius, you know? And so to me, it was about getting as many interviews as I could. So sometimes we'd have four or five interviews in a day. we go down to LA and just, boom, we go out there and and just you know, we pick up the table. So I thought if we had a cassette table, something that could tie every interview together, because we might be doing it backstage, we might be doing it in their home, we might right. be doing it on the grass. You know, I interviewed <laughs> Eddie Money at a at a park. You know, right, right. So so that was kind of a way to do that. And we found this really cool place that that does these cassette tapes. And and uh, it's a uh, I hate to give away the the, the uh, you know magician never reveals his his uh, his tricks, but and don't. Uh, You've, okay. you, you've said enough already. They'll let the, let so the, they it, they, they can figure it all out. And it's really cool because you can tell it's like a dude's collection because it, it starts off with like, you know, uh, classic rock. And then it goes to like heavy metal and, and hard rock. And then it goes into um, new wave and, and then into grunge and and then every once in a while you'll see like Carpenter's greatest hits you're like what <laughs> well it sounds it sounds a lot like a
0: you know my sort of uh when i used to have the uh, iPod with the dial when the first ones that came out it sounds a lot like that playlist now every now everything's a spotify playlist or it's an apple tunes playlist and um but it still sounds like that soundtrack cuz i will always sneak an abba song in in between my A C D C and my Aerosmith. You know, there will definitely oh, yeah. be some sort of uh pop. And and that's the thing that I do enjoy about your videos is that um you don't uh discriminate the genre. You if it's if it's a good song or if it's an impactful song, um, it's something that you you'll, you'll dive into it and you'll do the research. You know mean? Like I am saying, folks, this is the guy that you want on your, um, you know, he's definitely the guy that you want on your music quiz team. Um, if you're, now, here's the thing I, I, because I'm in Stockholm in Sweden, I'm at the end of the world. I was started this podcast with not having that face to face interview type of, uh, Format. It was always going to be these types of Zoom and um, yeah. now now it's StreamYard uh, sort of interviews. But, you know, they have these things up here in Sweden called uh, Music Quiz Night, Music Trivia Night. And you seem to know pretty much everything about that era of music in time. Um, ha, do they have music trivia nights in, in, uh, uh, in Utah, anywhere where you're completely eighty sixth and you're banned and you're not allowed to even be part of it because you know too much?
1: <laughs> well, whenever, you know, get together with, uh, like my wife and couples and we're going to play, you know, some kind of a, a game, everybody, you know, where, where I was the last pick in high school for the basketball team or whatever, <laughs> you know, now I'm the first pick now. Yeah. So things like that, they don't really have anything like that uh, here, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's interesting because I remember growing up, uh, I had a a specific teacher who always told me that I was the king of useless information. I would never use this information. It's such a waste of time. And why do I waste my time with my nose in a book about rock and roll music? And he, I mean, he'd go off on me in, in, in the class and, and I just, uh, I proved them wrong, you know, cause it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's not just about rock music, whatever you are passionate about. If you, you can make it your career. I mean, you can make it, you know, your, your passion. And, and I, I just, uh, I don't like that attitude that, that certain people have that, uh, you have to go get a real job and you have to, you know what I mean? And so to me, um, I don't know how we got here. I'm going off on a tangent. No, right? it's it's
0: perfect because that's the whole thing about this podcast is it's inspiring people, not just to play, because I do have a lot of musicians, a lot of guitarists that come on. And and obviously, I love to inspire anyone to pick up the guitar because I do think it's a lot easier to learn uh, than people make it out yeah. to be. But it, at the end of the day, it's about finding something that really does uh, inspire you and gives you and, and your passion is with and then you achieving it and you're like living proof that the professor of rock is like, you know, that is the dream job for so many people. I mean, I, I, like I said, and it, it, it is so much entertainment and it is educational. I mean, I don't know if you, yeah. you, did, you don't actually have a degree of rock. Do you, there's no, there's no No, I didn't, I didn't go to a
1: day of college and, and that was another thing that, uh, you know, when I was dating back in the day before I got married, um, you know, certain fathers would be like, you don't have a degree. You know, I was always been an entrepreneur. I just, I just always felt, now I, I'm not saying anything bad about education, but I think that I always felt like, why do I have to go, you know, pay a bunch of money and go to a bunch of classes to get a piece of paper to get permission to go make money? Why not just go out and go after it? I just more of a on the job training type person yeah, I want to have experiences. And I think that's kind of how millennials are. You know, the younger generation, they want to have experiences. They want to go out and experience life and have these kinds of things. And so to me, it's kind of like how we do music. It's um, everything is genreified. We've gotten into this place. Um, I think it started happening after the 80s where everybody put everything in a genre, you know. And to me, growing up when I was a little kid, you know, late 70s and, and through the 80s, I'd listen to radio, and you'd hear Stevie Wonder, and then you'd hear ac <laughs> Preaching to the choir right it. now, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or or with- millennials, that's how millennials are. They listen to music that way. They don't say, "Oh, I'm going to listen to my hip hop." I think that they they like music. It's just music to them, and so that's kind of how I run my channel. And I thought, well, am I might get in trouble? You know, if I'm just one genre, because one day. I might be talking about Guns N' Roses. The next day, I might be talking about Carol King, which actually has happened in the last few weeks. But, you know, (laughs) to me, I love both of those albums for different reasons. I love The Clash, but I also love Toto. Yeah. You know, so I I think that I don't believe in guilty pleasures. If you
0: think about it, Adam, you know, it's was like that on the actual albums of every individual artist. If you listen to Queen News of the World, for instance, there's so yeah. many different genres of music on one album. And so I think, you know, it wasn't just the the people that that were, were trying to fit things into boxes. Back in those those 70s albums, there was much more of a spectrum, I thought, of music. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, I mean,
1: Michael Jackson, Thriller, the biggest selling album of all time worldwide. It's all, I mean, Eddie Van Halen on Beat It. Then you go to, you know, Human Nature. Then you go to a lot of different songs, pop, R&B, rock and roll. And, you know, Def Leppard did that a little bit with Hysteria, you know. And and uh, so I, I kind of think, it's like Van Halen, for example. Right. I've, I've done a lot of stuff on Van Halen recently on Eddie. And a lot of people will say, uh, fans, you know, Sammy Hagar, David Lee Roth. And I love both for different reasons. But they'll say something like, yeah, I stopped listening to Van Halen after uh, after after David Lee Roth left, and I just thought, if you love Eddie Van Halen, how can you say okay, <laughs> anything that he wrote after 1984 doesn't doesn't exist? It's like that's insane. No, I
0: know, like, I, know. I, I, I Look, I'm one of those guilty guys that I go for. I I I prefer a Bond Scott over a Brian Johnson. I prefer sure. David Lee Roth, but at the same time. I've been lucky enough to uh, jam pound cake with Sammy Hagar on stage at a New Year's Eve party. So, you know, I'm not going to ever disparage jamming with Sammy Hagar jamming with Sammy because well, Sammy's you, one of the Sammy coolest
1: guys. He's One of the greatest guys yeah. out there. He just is. Yeah. He just, I mean, if, if I, if, if you were to ask me who are the, who are the 10 nicest people, just genuine down to earth, just great, who are great people. And you know, they're great people. They're not putting on a show. Sammy Hager will be at the top of that list. Yeah. he's just a great guy. Yeah. No, so. no,
0: no, I, same, same feeling right here. Uh, Sammy's he's genuine, genuine yeah. genuine, something like that. Yeah. You could have yeah. told all those people that you know all those girls' fathers that, you know what, someday <laughs> I'm going to be a professor. That's what you could have just said. And that would have saved a lot of problems right from the beginning. Yeah, right? you know,
1: that's that's something that's got me in a little bit of trouble too. I wouldn't say trouble, but that's that's why people that are watching, when you're you're doing anything that you're passionate about, you're always gonna have the haters. You just have to just well, know that trolls are a sign, aren't Trump trolls think? a
0: sign of like success
1: in, in today's yeah. world, right? But everybody's like, How do you self-professed professor of rock? Well, it actually wasn't self-professed. What happened is the beginning of this whole thing, I had a a show on ABC for the local station here in Utah. That's kind of how it started. Was that the, was that the rock and
0: roll rant or was that sort of? It was called
1: Wasatch FM. Okay. And uh, that's deep. Wasatch front because of the mountains, you know? Okay. And uh, a guy who gave me my start general manager of ABC, a guy named Richard Dutre Jones. I got to do a shout out there. He's become like a father figure, just a great guy, but he took a chance on me. I mean, I, I, I had no experience uh, I happened to be there as a possible sponsorship. He was looking to start a music show about local music. And he had me with about 20 other people in a room that, that he wanted to be like sponsors to the show. And I had, I had been in a couple of bands and I had started this, uh, this music thing that was like helping kids get into music recording studio and things like that. And, and how to, to get into music. And he just, we hit it off and I said, well, instead of doing a show about just local music, why not feature the you know, people touring through Utah and as the headliner and then you get a lot of people to watch it so it could be successful. And then you, in the backdrop, you could have like the, the local bands and really create a pop culture, cool show. Anyway, long story short, he just uh, he said, I love how I love that. And in fact, uh, you should help me produce it. And so as we started interviewing people to host, um, he just said, why don't you host it? Like you, you have a cool look and, and you know more about music than anybody I've ever seen. And so, anyway, we did this, and he said, let's do a test interview. And my first interview was was Kenny Loggins. And like 15 minutes into the interview, Kenny's like, who are you? And how have I never heard of you? (laughs) Because it's my first gig. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was funny because I thought, I bet she tells everybody that. So I didn't give the second thought. I didn't like, but he kept saying that. And after the interview was over, he was like, look, you've got a talent, you got to go after this and let me help you out. So, you know, I started having interviews the next few weeks, with Beach Boys and Doobie Brothers and all these different interviews. And that second interview was with the Beach Boys and they just said, um, man, you know more about us than we do. You know, you're, you're like a professor of rock. If they gave a degree in, in, in rock and roll, you know, uh, you're the professor, man. You should be teaching the class, kind of thing. And my my the Richard guy I was telling me about happened to be in the room, and he's like, "That's what we're going to call you, man. Professor Rock." And <laughs> so, so it was the
0: it was a, it was I, sort of a hybrid of the Beach Boys and uh, your producer, uh, sort of yeah,
1: Richard, general manager. the general manager, so Richard. It started, and you know you can't. Yeah, this was seven years ago or whatever. You can't like okay, well let's change the name or whatever. So it just kind of stuck and. It's more of an idea, Professor of Rock, a place to go It's more to. of a
0: feeling, man. It's
1: a feeling. Yeah, it is. Feeling, Here, so. Here's the thing. I was going to
0: ask you about that question a little bit earlier on a part of the show where we have never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And I was going to say, is it true, was it true that the Beach Boys uh, donned you the Professor of Rock? Now we know it's the Beach Boys and Richard. So yes. that, my friend, is a fact. And that is we have, and we usually have some amazing Graphics for that, but uh, uh there you go. Look at this yeah. on the ball. So never let the truth get in the way of the good story. Uh, that whole segment's now a wash now because now oh, that was it. That was, don't worry Sorry. about. It. I'm gonna think of something else. It's dude. This is we're thinking off the top of our feet, just like you were when you had all these earlier shows. and Because I, I I did think of there was a thing that you talked about. Uh, in one of your interviews was a rock and roll rant and that was on a local TV. And that was before you started professor of rock. What was the rock and roll rant all about?
1: So rock and roll rant was, uh, it was like a a short show. The show I had before was 45 minutes long. And, and, uh, so then we, we we started doing this, this thing that was er earlier, uh, earlier time slot. And it, it was uh, where I, it's like a 15 minute show. They're, they're kind of testing to see, what if we do a shorter show, you know, on, on network TV kind of thing. I mean, this again was a local show. So it was just like a, where I'd rant about music, you know, I'd Taylor Swift or Adele, you know, and, uh, or uh, the Beatles versus the stones, you know, and that kind of thing. And then we'd have little interview segment things and it was just kind of a quick little, little show. And, and I didn't like it as well because I, I like to get, get deep and spend, you know, 15 to 20 minutes on just one subject. So yeah, so that's what that was. Well, that,
0: I mean, I think that's where the, you know, the birth of the professor of rock interview in that style and sort of that ad- adulation or, or, or sort of, um, you know, just the, the people that you interview giving you so much credit because it's not just the, the beach boys that, get, that put some accolades on you. It is so many of the people that you interview. In fact, if you go on to, um, Adam's, uh, Patreon, he's got on your hype reel. It's just so insane. The amount of names and that you have on that list, that list of, you know, the names that you have been interviewing, you know, like I went through, uh, you know, Brian Wilson of the beach boys, Uh, legendary names, Carlos Santana, Ann Wilson. Like you said, you grew up listening to Neil Sean, Huey Lewis, which we just had a picture of Sammy Hagar, the nicest guy in the world. I would lump Huey Lewis as one of those nice guys too. Very genuine. I have had.
1: Yes. Love Huey. And uh, after I I went to a show and I I took my wife with me and uh, he met my wife after the show was just so sweet. Wonderful. He, he's a great guy. No question. And, how, and there's some I, great stories, you know, there's some great stories about like, uh, i tell you, one of the most interesting things, remember We Are the World? Yes, I do. The, the, we the, all do. The oh, yeah. Every 80s kid remembers that. But there are some great stories. Behind the, the scenes movies. stories? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you imagine you get all those people in one room for like, you know, 10 hours. But weren't you you supposed to leave your personality at the door? Wasn't that sort of the, or leave your, leave your ego ego. at the door. Yeah. Leave your
0: ego at the door, but not everybody, not everybody uh, did that apparently.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's just, there's so many great stories. Like Prince was supposed to be there, you know, Prince and Michael Jackson had their rivalry, you know, going on. And, and you had, you know, Springsteen who pulled up in a beater, a beater car is what Kenny Loggins told me. And there's just, I'm fascinated by that because I remember as a kid when they played that, do you remember when they played like every radio station played that song at the same time, they had this big thing when the, when the oh, single dude, came out. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm yeah. right in that genre as well. You know, I remember and I just was f- so fascinated. And so I was like a kid in the candy store when I could ask about we are the world to like Huey. There's been like seven or eight people I've interviewed that were there that told me these little stories that are just so fascinating because Ray Charles and Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel and I mean you I mean Tina Turner and Did anybody you know, stab anybody at one point was anybody shanked that's all I <laughs> want to know <laughs> I'm sure that Prince or Michael Jackson wanted to, to do that for one another, but uh well, the one I,
0: the one I just recently watched and you just recently posted was the story behind "Do They Know It's Christmas," and that was between yeah. Bob Geldof and Jure. And those stories were amazing in itself. How uh Boy George wasn't going to be there; he was supposed to be there, but then when they called him up to say "Where are you?" he said something like "I'm in New York" or something. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he he took a he took a red eye and uh, got there. And uh, he took the, yeah. He didn't
0: oh. just take a red eye. He took the friggin' what was that the the Millennium Falcon? What was that called? The Concorde? Yeah,
1: it's, yeah. It's called the yeah the Concorde.
0: Um, yeah, they don't the even car- have yeah, yeah yeah. So so wait. So you're saying that Bob Geldof called Boy George in New York and told him to get over to the studio? like immediately
1: mid-year called him. Yeah. Mid-year called him and said, Hey, where you at? And, and he said, you know, I'm in New York. And he said, well, and I guess he f- figured it out and said, well, you got, the Concord is leaving it, you know, two hours or whatever. You got to get on that. And then, you know, boom. And this was back in you know 1984. So this was before we had the internet and I mean, how did you track him down? You know, call him up on the phone. This Folks, this is back in the day when we didn't have cell phones, if you can imagine. that's <laughs> true. Right. I mean, the
0: yeah. thing is, you have all these stories be and, and, and a lot of them go revolve around songs. And before we started the uh, podcast today, I told you how my wife and I were just in bed one day going down that YouTube rabbit hole and... We happened across uh, the Goo Goo Dolls' story of Iris, and it was and it was you interviewing the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls and talking yeah. about Iris. And it was it was something I'd never heard. I'd never heard that story. How like you know the record company wanted to know the name of the song, and he was just like looking at a newspaper. or What the hell was he doing? He was and yeah, and
1: Iris was a, a singer, uh, and he's like Iris, yeah.
0: So he just he just said that on the phone to the record company he goes that's the name of the song that we're working on and they just accepted it, and that was it I mean <laughs> folks, you gotta check out the the, the inside story and, and and I'm sure you get a lot of those through all these interviews that you're able to do a lot of those little nuggets of like sort of back you know deep state secrets you know of the story of the song I love it,
1: yeah, yeah. Well you I, I'm seeing some of these uh, things coming up below of, of, of people making comments and appreciate everybody uh, who's who's said some things that is, it's so nice when people appreciate uh, you know Ryan for for what you do and when, when people appreciate uh, uh, your work and what what you're doing and uh, you know the the biggest thing here is to keep the music alive i I just think that we we live in this world right now where there's a lot of crisis. I mean, with the pandemic and with all the things that we've faced over the last year, uh, the one thing that brings all of us together that we don't have to beat the crap out of each other about is music. I mean, you know, when, when you're in a I don't I think everybody can agree. The Sweet Child of Mine is a great song. And if, if you're seeing Guns N' Roses in concert and that song comes on, everybody in that room is seeing every word to that song. And we're all in unison. That's true unity right there. To to me, that's what we should be preaching is the gospel of rock and roll. That's just my opinion.
0: That's great. That's, that's exactly what we need. We we talked about a little bit about music and you playing guitar and, or is it guitar that you play? I'm assuming it was guitar that you played. What, what is know, the instrument that know, you did I play?
1: play? I play a little bit, but not, I mean, just an, a little bit, but I, I was a lead singer in a band and uh, we recorded a, a couple of things, a couple of albums. And then I, I did a swing album, actually, like a Sinatra. This is a little secret that I, I let a little bit out because I just did a little piece on Van Halen Jump. And I, we did a, a version of Jump, a swing version, like if Sinatra were to take on Jump. And I was actually really fortunate to have a guy that had played with uh, a lot of different people and the Letterman and stuff like that. He's an older guy. He actually passed away a few years ago. Uh, but he could write charts. He, he could he could write like horn charts. And so uh, I said, hey, what if we took like 80s and 90s songs and redid them in a Sinatra kind of big band version? And uh, he, he wrote it out. We did it for Africa. We did it for Jump. We did it for The Way You Make Me Feel, Michael Jackson, stuff like that. And I was like a kid in the candy store. It was so much fun. And so uh, that's what I do. I sing. I write lyrics when I was in my band. Uh, come up kind of with melodies more in my head I right. kind of hum them. I'm, I'm not really blessed with the instrument type Thing uh, I've played. heard a band
0: do uh, Wonderwall swing version before, and they have Oasis' Wonderwall, and I thought that was a really good version. Uh, perhaps Tom Jones' version of uh, Prince's Kiss is another great one as well. But, oh yeah! But do we have to go on to the dark web to find this versions of that you're doing, or is this something that maybe might be coming out soon or released? You know, or is it somewhere out there?
1: I have I have people sometimes I've got a, a young millennial that worked for me, a young kid and uh, actually quite a few. And it's kind of fun because when we go to these interviews, they they discover this new music and they'll say, Oh man, I've become a huge fan of uh, you know, the zombies or whatever since this interview. So it's kind of fun, but they've said, uh, Hey, you should put a little bit more of yourself out there, you know, what you used to do and people like that kind of thing, you know? And, and honestly, I'm not really comfortable with that. I'm just like, I'm just the guy that interviews people and, and, uh, you know, people, so I, I put this out on the jump piece. And so a lot of people said, Hey, I really like that. I'd like to check that out. I, I think it's actually up on Reverb Nation.
0: Well, there you go. Uh,
1: all that stuff. Yeah. Well, they can yeah, yeah, look it up. The Turks was the name of the band. Was it was called the Turks. Uh, all right. The Turks. Yeah. T-E-R-K-S. All right. Um, The Turks, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, I
0: I appreciate you coming on the podcast because, like I said, I get to ask questions to the man that's always asking questions. But your millennial uh, sort of co-workers or people that you work with are completely right people do appreciate all the stuff that you do and getting back to music being that we're right yeah. around that point where we're going to uh go into our commercial um it's about playing guitar it's about uh playing music getting into music and starting your guitar journey so if you're interested in starting the guitar journey after the show i will give you the link and uh, you can start off and play guitar with the, the system 12 that we have with the whole entire team the rga that we call it um of course that's dave ratten and, of course, we have Robbie Miller, uh, Federica, Scotty Hagan, and our own producer, Vic Chalfant. Um, this is uh, myself doing the uh, System 12 ad. Vic, will you run it right now, please? Hello, folks. Ryan Roxy here. And thanks for watching and supporting all things we are doing over here at the RGA, otherwise known as the Roxy Guitar Army Headquarters. We'd like to invite you to start your own guitar journey with the most comprehensive and easy-to-learn course that's out there today, the system 12 guitar method i've taken my 40 plus years of experience of playing guitar and combined it with some of the best tech and guitar life hacks to come up with a system that'll get you playing not just the guitar but entire songs in a very short time check out the links provided and make sure to enjoy the lessons and of course enjoy the ride now back to the show Well you know what I've noticed on that that commercial thank you very much for for uh you know taking a little break with us on that one. Uh, sure. You're, you're yeah. hanging out here at In the Trenches podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Roxy. And of course, we have Adam Reeder with us today. He is the professor of rock. Uh, one thing about that commercial I've noticed, Vic, um, and I know that I'm talking to you directly. Um, you, can you sort of help me with some of my, I have a bad eyeliner day. I think I had an eyeliner mishap and it looks like I have some sort of uh, stigma in my eye. So maybe you can work on Pro Tools or uh, Photoshop or whatever and smudge that out, he's saying, no, it's not possible and they can't do it. So welcome to uh, the In the Trenches podcast. If you are just joining us right now, um, get in the chat. Um, it's been a great episode so far. We are just talking a bunch of trivia. We are talking about a bunch of rock and roll. It's not even trivia. It's just knowledge, I think, at this point, because it's, it's important knowledge that I think younger people... And older people uh, might not have gotten the first time because it, it goes around that that whole experience of music and how you experience music. Um, I know you and I grew up with vinyls, uh, reading those liner notes, you know reading the Got lyrics it. when you put a record on but you know do you think that perhaps professor of rock and channels like that um, are sort of like a new type of a new age experience for doing the same sort of thing you're getting, you know, behind the, behind the song and you're finding out more information.
1: I mean, did you grow up reading those liner notes, reading those lyrics? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the ritual of getting a new record. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you remember it. What was your ritual?
0: Yeah. I want to know how you did
1: it. (laughs) I remember, and it's the same thing with a cassette and a CD. Uh, where you would get it, you, you get home, I would run up to my room and I would carefully, you know, put put the fingernail in to, to you know, the, the slit there to, to pull the record out really careful, you know, because I want to keep the plastic on the vinyl, pull it out, you know, and I was always hoping that there'd be a great, you know, if it wasn't a gatefold, I was hoping that that it would have, you know, a really cool sleeve that would have the lyrics and that would have, you know, some kind of background behind the songs and yeah. You know, sometimes that was there. Sometimes they'd have a little lyric sheet with it. Sometimes there might be a poster or a sticker with it if you were lucky. And then you pull it out and, and you put that put that record down, you know, and then you, you just you just start off and, 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 and you just
0: be now, did, you, did, you, did you go with headphones at first or did, would you listen to it on the uh, Sanyo or so- Sony speakers? Well, I had a Sanyo. It wasn't even a Sony. <laughs> <is it? laughs> but yeah. or, if you, if you had, you know, parents or if you had friends that had uh, parents with really good jobs, then they had Pioneer speakers. Yeah.
1: pioneer speakers. Were yeah. Really good yep. ones, pioneer. <laughs> my dad had pioneer. And uh, so I, I would listen to it just on my little stereo in my room and I would pour over the lyrics and, listen to every song and i'd turn it around you know and i'd listen to the rest of it and then if it were the cassette you know i wouldn't even wait till i got home i would i would you know i, I figured out ways to open it up you know really quickly and uh, even with the cd you know because it'd have that sticker on the top and i'd I I kind of Yeah, it was jack- a weird
0: type of it was a weird type of adhesive. You didn't know whether it would break and you didn't ever want to break the jewel case itself. Um as far as vinyl goes though, the the inserts that I remember most and I probably the soundtrack of my life was Cheap Trick at Budokan because the booklet yeah. that came with that was a full-size booklet and um that had pictures and lyrics with it. And then And then the coolest little uh, sort of gadget that I ever remember was uh, Kiss Love Gun because it actually came with a paper, like a sort of a a mobile, you know, in a mobile. And I I actually hung it on my light growing up and it it had a gun. It said Kiss Love Gun and it said pow at the very end of it. I mean, mean, if you're in the chat and you had one of those, uh, you know, maybe take a picture of it right now if you have it. You probably don't. but <laughs> Yeah.
1: Like I remember my parents' version of Sgt. Peppers, you know, and, wow. and it had this really cool badge in it. And then it had, you know, the Beatles, all four of them, like kind of sitting there with their, their uniforms on. And that was really cool. And then you look for the clues. You know, my dad used to tell me that the Beatles, Paul is dead. So I'd, I'd look for the clues. Oh, I'd the try 28
0: if on, on the, on yeah. the, on the Abbey road album. 28th, yeah. Yeah. That yep. was a
1: pretty good clue. Barefoot, and the fact that, each of them were dressed as a, you know, one was the undertaker and one was the grave digger and, and all that kind of thing. And and that, that was great. But I, I remember Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, had a little insert with the lyrics. And and so that was really cool. And then when I started to get into um, other bands like the Smiths and R.E.M., I went through my new wave and college rock, you know, I shouldn't say phase cause it's still going on. No, it's still, and it's still it with me. Yeah. I, I started out like listening to like Motown and the Beatles and all that stuff. Cause my dad raised me on that Elvis. And then I started coming into my own on in the eighties with MTV. And so I had all the albums like Cyndi Lauper, she's so unusual and Janet Jack's control. And, and all those those albums, and and then Def Leppard. Then I started getting into like the, the, the heavy metal phase, right around 1985. I started getting into Dio and getting into all that kind of stuff, right. and uh, Rat. And wow. oh, look at that! That was oh, very. Yeah. That's our producer.
0: That's the one that was hanging on my uh, right from my 70s style lamp. I'm I'm a couple of years older than you, Adam, but uh, we definitely have that same sort of affinity for. Uh, from the poppest of pop rock to the hardest of hard rock i think
1: yeah you know yeah yep and then i started getting into like new wave you know like depeche mode and and uh, the smiths and and the cure and everything like that and 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 that's where you know that's where it went so yeah it. iron Maiden, number of the beast yep <laughs> i mean you know that's why vinyl was so cool though is because it was big enough that it was like a piece of art where you could really look at this and and, you know, I heard an artist that I was interviewing said this, and I, I, it's brilliant. I can't take credit for it.
0: Okay. Do you remember he's, who it was?
1: It was Richard Marx that said this. He said, you know, music used to be this big, you know, and then it became, you know, this big, and you know, CD and the cassette. And he's talking about... Don't you know, forget vinyl. the mini disc. Don't forget the mini yeah, disc. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then he said, and now it's, you know, it's not there. <sighs> So he said, it's you know, so it used say. to be that you had product, you had something in your hand that, that that you had, and he said, and now, you know, I just don't think the toothpaste is going back in the tube. No. And I thought that was really fascinating because we have we we have sacrificed uh, the quality of, of this music and, and this experience, this ritual, like I said, for um, leisure. You know, for for how easy it is. And I and and don't get me wrong, I love it. I love the fact that I can pop in my my, you know, my earbuds and uh, whatever it may be and and just listen to whatever I want. I've got Spotify, I've got Apple Music. I mean, I I actually have a subscription to all of them um, because I think I don't have a problem paying $20 a month when I used to pay $20 for an album. But we've lost something. We've lost something in that transition that's very, very important. And so I think that's why, like you said, these YouTube channels are very, very important. And Rick Beato is, is incredible. I didn't know who he was until about six months ago. Um, but he, you know, he breaks down the song and he, from a technical aspect yes. that I could never do. I and mean, he's just incredible. Yeah. And there's you know, what you're doing, I think, keeping the music alive to where you don't have the liner notes. And so you can go behind the song, go behind the album and get this. MTV used to be that way. I mean, I remember when you turn on MTV and you could. It hear music education. when you could actually yeah, hear music, we music. exactly <laughs> well and i think we're driving uh, you know a younger generation of that though it is kind of cool to go into walmart the local walmart here and to see kids because they do have vinyl at the walmart and to see these kids back. Running, going, hey should i get this motley crew or you know should i get uh, this guns and roses and i'm like that's so awesome i love it you know? <laughs>
0: I love that it too. Good.
1: Well, the thing yeah. is
0: what you have done as far as the production value, I think that sets the bar for perhaps what that experience of like what we were doing. Cause you're right. You can't You can't uh, make music non tangible in a way. Music should be tangible. Whether it's people are missing live concerts because they can see it's right in front of your eyes, you know. With an album, it's 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 something you hold in your hand. So music is tangible. But with shows like what you're doing, and with all the detail and the attention, the detail that you that you put in, I think it's it's a really good. Way for someone to get educated and have that experience, and and because it's going through your experience as well. And I, I'm just curious at how you started up the channel, how many years it's been going, and and what is the direction of where you see the Professor of Rock going?
1: Yeah, so uh when the pandemic hit, we decided to really go all all guns on uh, on on YouTube. You know, just uh, all guns ablazing and. Uh, we we had before that we had done some different things where we were you know good, do some uh, licensing deals and things like that with with getting it on TV or, or what have you cable that kind of thing Netflix that type of thing and uh, and th- those took forever and you know we, we were on Walmart at one time they had a, a like voodoo and they were going to compete with uh, uh, you know with Amazon Prime and stuff like that right. back in the day it was about four years ago and uh, th- they ended up uh, not going that direction. But, uh, so, so we started doing YouTube about a year ago. I mean, we had, we've had a channel, we just kind of had a channel up since 2000, late 2016, but it was more of like we had five or six videos up there. You know, it was just kind of a thing where, um, we just had it up to share links with, you know, promos or something like that. So we started doing it in April and, uh, and yeah, it's, I think at that time we had, you know, five or 6,000 subscribers, you know? Um, Ooh, no. let's
0: go let's come on there's hope folks there's hope yeah. rga we're gonna get to that level because now you're sitting at around 200 000 and you're kicking yeah. ass that's amazing and how big yeah. is the team and 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 how much of that time is spent uh you know producing these videos because i mean as you can see folks adam where he's at right now if you can't see that means you're listening to us on audio and you got to get to the roxy official youtube channel or go on to uh adam's official youtube channels because you can see that backdrop the production value is great how much of that time is spent and do you do you are you the one doing the editing or how big is the team
1: no so we've got we got about four or five people that, that that work on this and uh you know, I, I wish I was the one doing the editing. I, I, I barely have enough time to, to write the show every day. And, and uh, you yeah, know, I've got a great producing partner, Bill Williams, uh, who's a guy that's been in the industry for a long time. And uh, we, we work together on a lot of this stuff. Uh, we got a podcast that we're going to be starting to do. It'll be on Spotify and Apple, and it'll be a different, different than The Daily Show it's actually give you a little preview. I haven't sure. really shared this yet. Please do. Uh, this is
0: our this is our exclusive, folks. Start taping. Yeah. Start screenshotting. Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be called yet for sure, but it's kind of like a pop chart redux, like an '80s redux, but it'll be the '60s and '70s and '80s and '90s. But what I'm going to do is go back, like the American Top 40. I grew up listening to that religiously every week. Casey Kasem, he's one of my heroes, actually. And America's I, I top I 40. To there him. it is. He's, he's the best. He's he's a hero of mine for sure. He taught me so much about music. He and my dad more than anybody. So I, I want to kind of pay tribute to him in a way. But I also want to go back and, 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 like, take a chart from, like, 1984. Like, say, June 30th, 1984, here were the top 10 songs. We're going we're gonna to see how those songs have done 40 years later or 35 years, like, 36, 37 now. Right. And uh, what I do is I, I have a measure a measurement that I'm doing where you look at Spotify and YouTube and culturally – how many times has it been used in movies and TV and video games, and and then I also have my fans uh, on the on the channel who get to vote, and yeah. so you know, and then so we kind of weight it, it's weighted on you know three or four different things, and then we do a redux, like what what was the real top five uh, of this week uh, thirty five years later, and so <laughs> what, what I what I do throughout it is I'll, I'll count down the songs you know as they are now, and I'll give some of those stats. And then I also talk about Hidden Gems, you know, Hidden Gems in that top 100 for that week. Like, you know, there are certain songs like Rock of Ages by Def Leppard. There's a phenomenal song. It didn't chart well on the pop charts, but um, here's what it's done since. And it's actually was bigger than the song that was in the top five that week. I love the
0: concept because you're putting in... The sort of feeling in the spirit of a Casey Kasem countdown, but making it your own. You're putting it all through the Professor of Rockometer, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> like that. You know, and then well, then patent it. Do it right now. It's yours. I give it to you.
1: That's rockometer. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's fun because I I think that you know and, and we'll <clears throat> and we'll count these songs down, but some of these things are are like uh, amazing. Like I'll give you an example. I don't even know if, if, if people might know this song, but Self-Control by Laura Branigan, great song. It was a pop song, came out in 84. Um, it it was in the top five, and it actually, <clears throat> When Doves Cry by Prince and Bruce Springsteen Dance in the Dark are like the top two, but that was the number three. It was bigger. It's actually been bigger 40, 37 years later than so, The Replex "Redux" by Durant Wow. Well, bigger because... If you look on YouTube, it's been viewed. There's one video; that has been viewed 130 million times. That's Laura Branigan's "Self Control," and so she's big outside of the U.S. So it's just kind of interesting because I don't want to make everything about America. It's also about globally. You know what? What people? I mean, hey, you're in you're in Sweden, like you said, right? Yeah. So, you know that what is this music meant to everybody? And you know, 37 years later. What's it done on YouTube? What's it done on Spotify? The way that we listen to music now. I love that and concept. it would be, kind of, be, be kind of fun, you know? And oh, I always like those you kind of do you have yeah.
0: Do you have a target date for when this is coming out? Because, of course, I'll be one of the first uh, sort of pre-signups, if I will, you know, to come up there. And, of course, everybody that's listening to this exclusive right now will be. Do you have a sort of a target
1: date for this? We are thinking it'll be mid to late February. I'm actually right now... Uh, working. I've got a guy coming down today after this po- after we're done with the podcast this afternoon, where I'm going to be sitting down and uh, going through the first show. And the first show will be 1984. Actually, June 30th. I give you a little preview of it. I give a little yeah. bit away, but it's fun because uh, you know we'll we'll do like 1965. I mean, this was back in the day when the, your top five had like the Beatles and the Stones and and the Beatles and, uh, again. The Beatles again. Yeah, exactly. The Beatles three times. I mean, Can you imagine the show that you do where the Beatles had all five, all top five spots? Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, so it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, I think that people, they don't realize to me, and this is, I have a strong opinion about this uh, modern music. I just don't think that you'll hear the great music on the radio. That's what's sad. I think mean, there's so many great bands out there right now, no doubt. but they're not getting the mainstream attention and they should. And so, you know, maybe we'll do something like that as well. Throw that in there like, hey, here's a band to listen to this week or here's a song, you know, and because uh, I have a tendency to stay in my classics. I got you. And uh, so I've tried to open my mind up to to newer bands and that kind of thing. And so. Well, I think it'll be a lot of fun.
0: If you ever get overloaded with interviews, you can just throw a few our way anytime. You're more than welcome (laughs) to it. All right. So folks, you've heard a little bit of some exclusives here today. I love it. We have Adam Reeder, the professor of rock. We are making professor of rock history right now. Um, There's just a couple uh, couple more little questions that I have and a couple little segments. Like I said, we have that... uh, we have that segment called never, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And you've, you know, you obviously get behind a lot of good uh, stories. Um, One, the other segment that we have is called the one that got away. And usually I have people that are musicians and we talk about pieces of equipment, um, that they might've had to sell or it got stolen or, you know, they'd lost throughout the years. And that's called the one that got away. Uh, Stanley Gable gave us that idea. I'm always giving him publishing and credit where credit is due, but uh, I thought maybe we could do the one that got away with you because Adam, maybe there's an interview that got away one that has eluded you one that you've wanted but you haven't been able to get yet and not saying that it won't happen well unfortunately if the artist passed away then it won't happen but uh, but but if um is there one that got away that you haven't gotten yet is there an interview
1: yeah so two two part two part answer to that so we were supposed to interview george michael i love george michael he's Mm. one of my favorite artists ever um so I think interviews. he was such a phenomenal singer and such and had such great music. And uh, and then he passed away and that just broke my heart. I, I wanted so badly. I actually before I started this, I wrote down a, a top 10 or 15 of interviews I wanted to interview before this was over. Like a goal. Of, I've got to interview these these 10 or 15. And I've, I've interviewed about four or five of them. So I've gotten about a third of it done. But uh, George Michael was on that list. So that was that was
0: are you good did you get it Vic? are you, are you off um, hold on um okay Vic, put me a give me a thumbs up if everything's okay of course we got a little bit okay everything th- uh, might be my my inter- my internet that's messed up but uh i you went off for a second i'm sorry you were talking about uh george michael and then
1: Billy Joel. So yeah, Billy Joel, we were supposed to interview him at one time and uh, he got late to the concert. His plane got in late. So the interview was canceled. Billy Joel would be, you know, my, my all time favorite to get, I'd love to get Springsteen. Um, You know uh, anyway, I, I, there's, there's, yeah. So Brian Wilson, the beach boys Boys was one that was a dream interview that I did get. So I, I, I've been fortunate to get that, but yeah, that, that was the one that got away and and I'd love to get Billy Joel yeah. uh, for sure. I yeah. think,
0: I think those will happen as soon as we, you know, as soon, well, not, not as soon as, as you continue to do what you do on a, on such a rapid pace, your, you know, sort of your ascent in the YouTube world is, is crazy because there's people, you know, I, I did go down that, again, that research rabbit hole. And there's a lot of people going, who is this guy? He came out of nowhere. They, a lot of people feel you've been doing this for year, years because when you speak and when you interview with someone, what you have is, the knowledge behind you and what goes behind that? Do you do a lot of the research yourself or do you have people that do the research for you and write the script or how to, or is it just inside your brain that you know all this stuff about these songs?
1: Well, probably about 75% of it is in the brain, but I, I still go back and do a bunch of research because sometimes we remember things differently. You know, I, will give an example. My dad told me when I was a little kid that uh, the birds, he loved the birds and he would say the birds were so influential. They influenced the Beatles. And, and he said, you know, like, listen to this song. And it was what you're doing by the Beatles, which is on an album that came out in late 64. Um, and he, and, and it was, it, it sounds like the birds. It's got a, you know, 12 string guitar and everything. And I've always remembered that as a kid, I've had that memory throughout my whole life that what you're doing. Well, somebody pointed out, uh, you know, cause we did a piece on eight miles high a few weeks ago with, with Roger McGuinn and with David Crosby and, uh, and said, Hey, this song came out before the Beatles came out, the song before the birds. And, you know, they were right. Yep. They were right. I actually, I actually thought, wait a sec. Yep. 64, 65. Yeah, they're right. So that but would be we, fiction. Guys, that would, if you're never, never let the truth get
0: in the way of a good story. Your father was telling you a little bit of fiction. he was, he
1: was, he, and I think that he probably just heard that and remembered it wrong. And that's and that's how we are as, as human beings. We just remember things, and it gets messed up in the road of life. Yep. And so, you know, I, I think that I'm very, very careful about doing a lot of research. And, and it's funny because uh, I'm held, and, and I get it, I'm held to a different standard than, you know, you see these, like, reaction videos on that are really popular on YouTube where someone will just react to a classic rock song. They don't bring anything new to it. I don't really understand the reaction thing as much because <laughs> I'm like, what you know, I've, I, can, I can listen to the song, you know, and, and you know dang well that half these guys are totally lying. There's no way you haven't heard Bohemian Rhapsody. Of come course. on, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you're seven years fun. old. I've seen I've seen little kids
0: react to like yeah, totally. Metallica to
1: kids, but when you have somebody who's like 50, 40 years, five years old or 50 years old, and they're like, I've never heard Michael Jackson thriller before. And you're like, Come on, come on, <laughs> that's impossible. But, anyway, but, but it's funny because one person will say, like, Yeah, I love their lead singer, David Lee Roth. And they'll be talking about Van Halen, um, Pound Cake. And I'm like, that's not David Lee. And people like totally, oh, it's it's fine. But if I like get like, if I'm two days off on the the day that something was recorded, I've got like eight people telling me, you were wrong. You know? (laughs) Well, I can
0: (laughs) tell you for a fact, for a fact, uh, one of the biggest birds, uh, the birds who influenced the birds influenced the Alice Cooper band, the early Alice Cooper, the original one, because I've got that, you know, from, uh, basically the bass player's mouth. I got it from the guitar player's mouth. I got it from the yeah. singer's mouth, you know? So, so basically it's Dennis and Michael and, and Alice. They, they've all said that the birds played an influential part of the early Alice Cooper, uh, band and stuff like that. And I remember, um, you know, just driving in a car with Alice and him singing those birds lyrics and early stuff like that. So it, it's it's really nice to hear that that band getting the credit. Have, did did you ever have any sort of interviews with anybody in the Birds? Have you done?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did Roger McGuinn and uh, and and I did David Crosby, of course, you yeah, know. Crosby, yeah, and uh, yeah, Roger McGuinn was uh, was incredible. Um, he was, I mean just talk about a guy turn, turn, turn. I mean, that's, that's the song that influenced professor of rock the show. I mean, I remember waking up at two in the morning, turn, turn, turn was playing. Cause I listened to music while I'm sleeping. And, uh, I just, I just kind of woke up and said, man, we have got to, I just thought, I've got to get this, we've got to get these interviews out there. We've got to get these stories of these songs. And so that was, that was an influence there. And, and you you're, you're telling me that, uh, and, and if I've got any extra interviews, well, I'll tell you what, We want to get Alice Cooper, man. So You would do a great segment on
0: Alice, you know, because you would definitely, it would take up your time to do a lot of the research because he's had so many great bands throughout the years. I've been lucky enough to be part of that legacy, you know, for as long as I have. But the bands that I get to play those songs every night, there's such yeah. great bands you know from you know the original band and then there was the 80s uh sort of shredder bands with Kane Roberts you yeah. know heading that front and then 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 there were then there were 70s bands you know with the Elton John band sort of being the the backup band for the Alice Cooper right. band at one point so you know there's so many um Davy Johnstone, you know, the guitars, there's, there, there's yeah. so ma- there's a lot of good research that you can do there. And like, how long does it take you to produce a segment that you do on, on professor of rock channel?
1: Uh, well, so I, I write it, you know, I write it out. What I want to say. And uh, you know, that takes a couple hours. Uh, I research. I, so I've got a huge uh, room downstairs. I've shown some of my people on Patreon uh, where I do a late night up, up, up late with the professor and I give away some things, but uh, I've got like 10,000 books on music, um, thousands and thousands of books on music. And I've got this library, this huge library downstairs. So I do, you know, I do my research there. I grab my, and what's great is th- these books are, you can't find this stuff on the internet. These are out of print and that kind of thing. And so they're interviews from the seventies and sixties and eighties and stuff like that. So I do that. And then, uh, and then I just uh, I record it, and then I have to go through and do kind of what I, I call a, a paper edit. My I do that myself, and that takes forever. I have to find like the photos and the and the you know go through all that and the so video. You're and you're doing yeah. so, so when
0: you're recording it, you're putting on. You don't have a team around you recording it.
1: No, I I'm sitting. I've got this room where I've got a camera. I turn the camera on. I sit down in this chair and I and I do it. And then I take that file and I send it off to a guy who will edit it, you know, cause we're all working from home and, uh, and then, you know, we'll, uh, and then I send a paper edit, like I said, where, Hey, put this picture here, do this, do that, that kind of thing. And, uh, so it, it takes a lot of time. Can I just thank uh, my team right
0: now on air so they know how much I'm thanking them? Thank you, Vic. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Fedorock. So, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> And thank you everybody in the RGA team for supporting it. Because honestly, I I do know how much uh, work that does go into doing our sort of ragtag sort of, uh, you know, podcast that I think we do a good job. I'm I'm proud of it. I'm not going to ever disparage our thing. And I'm glad that we're, we're bringing names like yourself to the show because um, it's that thing that I say, one hand washes the other, both hands wash the feet. We're both, you know, trying to uh, do our best to inspire other people to support this thing that's bigger than us, which is rock and roll, which is music, which is, you know, popular music. And you're doing a great job of championing that, you know, day after day. That's great. So,
1: yeah. I mean what what I'd love to say about that going off of what you just said is I've got a great team too. They, they do a, a heck of a job. Um, I've got, you know, just really talented people and for anybody out there watching who is passionate about this, uh, do it, you know, go, go do it. You know, just, Start it, it, your takes show. Yeah. it takes consistency. We, you know?
0: we, we've had some, we've had some people that, uh, uh, have started their own podcasts because of the voice it show yeah. for one, uh, Mike Usnick, Pink Sock. There's been, there's been a lot of, of uh, people that have
1: seen our show and said, you know what? I can do that. <laughs> it doesn't seem that hard.
0: And then they realize how hard it actually is. But it is. you know,
1: tough. but the more the merrier. I just say, Jump in, you know, I'd love to hear. That's why I, I call it a community, not really a YouTube channel. It's a community of music lovers to come in, share your experiences, share your memories. I definitely want to hear those uh, because that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's all about sharing these experiences, these songs on the checkpoints of our lives, the soundtrack of our lives and why it's made us who we are and, and why, you know, the relationships we have with our loved ones. I mean, I just told you that my dad passed away about a year and a half ago. I mean, how many times do I hear a song walking through the grocery store and just break down? And I'm so grateful that I have that memory of that song with him. And uh, that never goes away. That's
0: great. That's great. Well, you know what? I, I'm still curious of the Turks. I'm, you know, and now there's going to be some people that are going to sort of go down and research where the Turks are. You have some swing bands. Yeah. There it is. is that some sort of a
1: version of the Turks? Is that
0: it right there? That yeah, is.
1: That's the the last album we did, which was a swing album. We, we had a rock a rock thing of original songs, kind of a rock. A lot of people would say, I think the press around here would said that we, we sounded like kind of like REM nineties, REM kind of thing. Uh, but then I, I started doing this swing thing and that was kind of fun. So, so we've got like three or four albums out there that, uh, should, they, they keep growing. First it was two or three. Now it's
0: three or four. Pretty soon you're going to have an anthology. What's going well, I'm on? Trying to, I'm trying to
1: think. I had like a Christmas album, which was a swing album. Then I had a, a regular swing album called songs in the key swing. And then I had two albums in an the EP. So we'll say three full albums and two EPs. There you go.
0: No, well, you put out, you put out albums like the way uh, you put out <laughs> segments of the <laughs> professor. of rock. Good for you, man. Um, Heading out to the highway. All right, folks. Someday we are going to have some great animation for this. Do we have any animation for this this week, Vic? No, we don't. Um, That's okay. That's fine. Because heading out to the highway is sort of hyping up and dovetailing into what uh, Adam the professor of rock has been talking about in his, his Patreon page, uh, ways to sort of support the show, support, uh, Adam support. And like you said, this is your real job now. So for those of, uh, that are listening on the audio, Adam, would you uh, go through your, uh, socials right there? And then we'll talk a little bit about the Patreon page. Go for it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, our channel professor rock, that's where we do our daily videos. You can check that out. We release, uh, a video five to six times a week, pretty much every day except for sunday um, and uh, that's usually gonna be in the in the morning uh, that that video will come out and then we have our Instagram, which I need to be better about keeping up on but uh uh we 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 post there probably once or twice a week and then professor of rock uh the Facebook page uh you know and then we're on Twitter as well, which is Professor o rock at Twitter um, yeah. But, yeah, then, but then you also you
0: have the 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 thing that uh, people can support you is in making, you know, this job that's sort of a fantasy job or the real job. That's your uh, Patreon page. And uh, folks, we have not gone Patreon yet, but I will trust me. I will let you know when we do. But uh, the Professor of Rock has his own Patreon page. Uh, tell people what they get with that when they join up that.
1: Yeah. So, so we're actually putting together kind of a new package for people that are the nine and $25. Uh, we post there at least once a week, but uh, we're going to, now that the holidays are over, we're going to rev that up to two or three times a week. And it's more like I- insider access. It's uh, behind the scenes. It's some interviews that you won't see on YouTube. Um, like I released, I'll give you an example. I, I spoke at Google, Google day about a year ago. Uh, where they had me come in and speak at Google. About, How did that uh, get come
0: about? How does Google just call you? Is there someone that says, hi, I'm Google. I want to
1: tell you. Well, so there's a marketing person that, that saw our stuff. That's a big fan that worked with Google and said, Hey, yeah, to have this guy be a keynote speaker. He's got some cool stories. And so I went out and talked about evergreen content. Cause that was like the theme of the big theme of their, their Google day is evergreen content. Why that's important. Why it's important to make content last forever. And, uh, and it was a little 45-minute uh, presentation that I did, and I used interview clips. It was cool. I felt like Steve Jobs. I had the huge screen <laughs> behind me. I was did you have Google a pointer? Handker. Did you have a little remote control? Yeah ah. I did. I had a remote control, and I was up there. I felt like I need to put on a turtleneck or something. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I was up there, and it was fun. It was a lot of, it was a great. And so we recorded that presentation. I released that on Patreon. And so that's like a almost hour long thing of, of this really cool that you won't see anywhere else. I did a, a live event with Kenny Loggins that was like un, with the red rock uh, behind us in St. George. And it was kind of like inside the actor studio meets uh, uh, MTV unplugged. He had his acoustic guitar and we went through his entire career and he played the acoustic versions of his songs. And so I released some of those clips on there where you won't get that on, uh, on YouTube and, and then, you know, it's just kind of me and my iPhone sometimes late at night talking about, Hey, here's a new vinyl I got for Christmas, or here's, here's a book. That's a great book. And it's kind of more, you know, behind the scenes. And a lot and of I trips check-
0: down to that professor of rock library, where you have sort of the, down the labyrinth where you have unpublished books anymore that, that, that give you all those secrets. Yeah. I love it. So I'll well, check out, check out Adam reader, the professor of rocks, Patreon for sure. Um, One more question I wanted to ask you just about it because I ask a lot of artists, you know, about big shows and, you know, have they have the bucket list. Do they get nervous before they play in front of a stadium crowd or is it is it more nerve wracking to play in front of a club crowd? But I would ask you in a different sort of context, is there some is there ever been an artist where you've been like genuinely nervous to be in front of, to give an interview with, or is there, uh, is, or, or is pretty much everything, okay, this goes into, I uh, you know, this is what I do. No problem. Are you always even keel or do you ever, does, does the uh, nervousness ever get to you?
1: Well, it's interesting that you asked me that question because I've, I've got a, a piece that's going to be coming out in uh, like two days, I think. Um, about Footloose, where uh, it's got Kenny Loggins and Kevin Bacon, where I've interviewed both and talked about it. And it's got a couple of cameos from other people. I was really nervous when I was interviewing Kevin Bacon about Bacon Brothers and then about other things because um, it's Kevin Bacon. You know, it's just weird. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's no bacon. longer six degrees. You are, like, face-to-face with the bacon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, like, one degree from Kevin Bacon. Like, And so – um, I, I, brought that up. Like I, I, don't ever really get nervous, but I was like, Kevin Bacon is sitting in, on a couch next to me. What is going on? You know, cause he's in every movie, you know? So, so him and then Brian Wilson of the beach boys, I was nervous because he's a hero, musical genius. I, I think there's only a few musical geniuses roaming the earth. And I think he's definitely one of them. Yeah. And, uh, I was very nervous and, uh, and so uh, it was a good nervous so. It yep. was a very good interview, and, and I'm gonna to to share share that down the road here.
0: I do tell people that there is a difference between uh, stress and use stress because use stress can can kind of you know it's 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 a type of stress, but it's an invigorating type of stress, and it can sort of pump you up. But I had definitely use stress when I interviewed Steve Stevens because he's one of those guitar players that I've always looked up to and uh, sort of you know listened to all his stuff maybe borrowed a lick or two here or maybe a hundred licks here or there. But, uh, you know, I think Steve Stevens and if I was going to be asked the one that got away or the one that's coming our way, um, I would say maybe an interview with Brian May. I might get a little bit nervous just because I'm such a a big fan of his, but we haven't we haven't, uh, you know, hooked that one yet. But that's uh, if you're if you are listening right now, Brian, or if anyone in the chat knows a friend or are six degrees from Brian May. uh, Why don't you give him a call and let him know? So. (laughs) it's been a pleasure having you on yeah okay so then we'll do a twofer so anyone that's in the (laughs) chat you know they'll get to interview with 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 adam reader the professor of rock and in the trenches with ryan roxy i love it (laughs) nothing but a pleasure having you on very inspirational stories all day long um like i said folks, go check out Adam Reader's, um, all his socials. One more time, Vic, if you can put them up on the Instagram as well as the Patreon, um, that would be great. And like I said, any parting words that you have, any life lessons that maybe someone else has taught you, maybe your maybe your dad told you, maybe one of the artists, uh, the many artists that you've interviewed over the years, or maybe something that you came up with yourself, you have sort of a, a life lesson or a quote that you go by and that you live by
1: yeah you know um i i think one of the the ones that i i live by is do you remember that song um lovers in a dangerous time by bruce uh, coburn have you ever heard that song at all damn
0: you're going there's deep a, on me on that one
1: man i i, I yeah. uh, all right he's a comment. canadian artist uh some people call him the canadian bob dylan interviewed him about a year ago but that song there's a there's a lyric in it that says um Uh, It it says, uh, I'm always bad with lyrics unless I can like sing the song, you know, Uh, because I have it in my head. But it's basically uh, nothing worth having comes without some kind of fight. You got to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. You got to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. That's the mantra that I live by, especially, you know, this was before COVID. But especially with with the divisiveness and the politics and all the things that we're facing right now. To me, you have got to be a light. You got to let your light shine for the world. You got to positive. It's it's about it's about kicking. Never giving up. You can't give up, you know. And that's why uh, Professor Rock, uh, your show, Ryan. You know, you just got to get out there and take a chance and never give up. You got to just keep kicking that darkness until it bleeds bleeds daylight. That's, that's it to me. Professor of rock,
0: you've been kicking it. You continue to kick it. And, uh, I will continue to support the professor of rock YouTube channel as well as all of your other stuff that you have going on. Adam reader has been our guest in the trenches today, folks. If you weren't inspired by this one, um, Tune in next week. You'll be inspired. I guarantee you, because next week we have uh, Vixen, Vixen, the band Vixen, Cher Ross. It will be coming on in the trenches. So I don't normally give a little precursor before what's going on the next week, but folks... There it is. And you know what? In this next week, tell a friend um, about the show. Obviously, go and check out the Professor of Rock's YouTube channel and see all those uh, amazing videos that are on there. Adam Reader has been our guest. Thank you again very much. Hang on the line just one more second. Folks, um, I'm Ryan Roxy again on behalf of the whole entire Roxy Guitar Army. Um, Appreciate you guys supporting the show. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in week in and week out. It's been a good one. And um, I'm tuning off right now. But uh, until next week, enjoy the ride. In the trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back. Right on, mister. Thank you very, very much. That was really fun. Vic,
1: get on here. Yeah, that was, man. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. You, you Good. Show. I love the, the graphics and all the cool things coming up. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm a little jealous, man. <laughs> I didn't show any of that. What didn't you show?
0: What didn't you get? I had. You asked me to pull clips from his show, and I had quite a few of them. Oh, fuck. Well, I mean, I I, mean but he's so like, here. but I, you know what? You you did tell me, Vic. You go, he's so damn entertaining that he. we don't need the clips from his show because people will go check it out anyway because he's going to talk. And,
1: and But which ones, what what, what did you have? Because you said he had some sort it's of- It's got this wailing horn arrangement that just pumps you up. And with those perfect, whoa, whoa. And the title of the song is partly in parentheses, and that's something they did all the time in the '80s, and we all loved it. Not,
0: <laughs> damn it! And right now, I just looked at the damn private chat, and you said, "I have a couple of clips." Here's the clips. Here's. <laughs> clip. I've got some clips. It's <laughs> the first time I'm looking at the private chat. I have, I get you like this, oh my to get you god! I am right. so sorry, Vic. See,
1: I, but uh, I was so. That's okay. You know, hey, we can do it. We can do it again down the road, man. Let's do it uh, down I'll, the road I'll, later on in the year. I'll How about that? Come back on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll do. So, we'll yeah, do I'll a little do it. checkup, it was man.
0: Great. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go back and watch a lot of those because I just the your passion. I think really affects the people Watching it, I yeah. I was getting vaclamped watching it and thinking, oh my gosh, these are you know. It made me. I pulled out old police albums today to listen to that just because of that. <laughs> And when was the last time you ter- heard someone say the that wasn't in their nineties? <laughs> it's like a Barbara Streisand thing. I love it. I know. <laughs> what is your dog's tail doing in the back? What is Stanley doing? He's like <laughs> I had the show's
1: over. Now he can go pee. <laughs> all
0: right. I know. We're all gonna go pee right now. Uh Adam, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And uh, let's let's do another one like down the road, we'll see what happens.